because he's not going to just do this healing through uh, me as a pastor, but he's going to do it through also you all, the church body, us. I say you all, us is a better way to put that. So I want to say today as I read this scripture, do not check out on me and think you know what I'm going to talk about (laughs) because you probably don't. Uh, God kind of gave me a direction for something today. So uh, Acts 20 and 35 is behind me. If you do not have a Bible in front of you, if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get one. Um, don't just read it on your device. You need to get your Bible. And every once in a while, open that up and just look at it and read and underline, make marks in there if you don't have a conviction against that. But um, anyway, this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. May I read the last part of that again. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You may be seated. We've done prayed. So. Um, on Tuesday, January the 3rd, 1956, a man by the name of Jim Elliott. And four other missionaries landed on a small strip of land in the jungles of Ecuador. It was a very dangerous landing for the area that was at. And they could not all land there at one time. For years they had been dreaming of and planning for that very moment. Their hearts were set on reaching the Aka Indians with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Aka Indians were a notorious, dangerous tribe. No one had ever reached them before. Some had exchanged gifts with them, but always the Akas had attacked them that was trying to help them. So, for three months, these missionaries had been regularly flying over that area, dropping gifts and shouting out greetings to these Indians. And when they landed, they built a hut and they waited for the Akas to come and find them. That goes against our thinking. It goes against what we could even imagine in our life here in America. If somebody wants to kill us, we don't want to reach them. But they knew the dangers. They'd even, <clears throat> their wives had even discussed the possibility of becoming widows because these men were reaching for this tribe of Indians. Elizabeth Elliot was the wife of Jim Elliot. She says they went simply because they knew they belonged to God. And because he was, God was their creator and he was their redeemer. And they wanted to share the message with them. So they had no choice but to willing obey God. And that meant obeying his command to take the good news to every person in this nation. On Friday, January the 6th, three Akas, consisting of one man and two women, approached them at their hut. They exchanged greetings. The missionaries showed them rubber bands, showed them yo-yos and balloons, and the man was even taken up in the airplane. On Sunday, January the 8th, they were due to radio in at 4.30, but there was silence on the radio waves. When no message came, a plane was sent out, a rescue party, and four of their bodies were discovered. 
all had been lanced to death. The fifth one was never found. It would appear that they had been ambushed in the little hut that they had made. All five men became martyrs for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. All were married, and four of them were fathers. One of my favorite quotes of all time, Sister Chastity, is Jim Elliott. No doubt, when I say it, you probably have heard me say it. Jim Elliott once said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott had seen through the lie of what America is so bad about, and that's consumerism. He'd seen the emptiness of this world and what this world has to offer. He realized that he had far greater value of what God had created us for and the promises. Jim Elliott understood something that I want to try to pass along to us, that every one of us from this pulpit to the back need to understand. There is a blessing in giving. And today, I just want to talk about that simple thought. The blessing of giving. You may not recognize that, and I'm not going to tell you what it is at the moment. But I will tell you what that picture is, and it will make more sense later. The blessing of giving. The text that I read today, no doubt you've heard it probably many times. I'm going to not get real fast. I'm not preaching today. I'm trying to teach to us, okay? Um, I want to be the voice of a teacher today. I want to be the voice of a pastor to try to teach us something because God wants our church to grow in a great way. He wants us as individuals to grow in a great way. Jesus, uh, Paul said that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We live in such a consumer mentality generation. Our generation is so focused on getting the next or the newest thing that's on the market. Um, we, the next iPhone comes out, people are literally standing outside the uh, Apple store the night before waiting to get the new phone because they're afraid, I guess, that there's not going to be none left. I don't know. I guess the Android phone uh, people probably do the same thing with the next and newest, greatest iPhone. People are newest uh, Android phone. But we're always looking for the next and the greatest thing in the market. We're always looking for something that's better. We're under such pressure to be the best and to have the best that there is in this world. We're under that pressure. The old saying is to keep up with the Joneses. I don't think there's no Joneses in here today. I hope not to offend you. But uh, all honesty, it is just simply the agenda of hell to push us to this selfish mentality of halving and hoarding and not giving. Do not check out on me today and think I am going to be talking only about money today because it is far from that today what I want to talk about today is far from that and we struggle with believing that giving is better than getting and why wouldn't we not struggle with that honestly because it seems if acquiring things and hoarding things are just a part of the broken nature of humanity because we love the security of having stuff Right? 
We're a disposable culture. We're addicted to the emotional boost of buying and receiving something. And I don't want you to think that I'm just talking about money today because, again, I'm not. But what about those non-monetary forms of giving in this world? Do we really believe that giving attention, encouragement to people, compliments, are better than being on the receiving end of that? Uh, if you've never read The Five Love Languages um, by Gary Chapman, it is a great book. And he mentions five love languages. One of them are words of affirmation. That would be me. I like it when people give me words of affirmation. And maybe Some of you may be that way. Some likes acts of giving, like people to do things for you, and so forth and so on. But as much as I do enjoy that, there's such a much more blessing when you actually give somebody else words of encouragement. Words that will make them feel better. Our city, our surrounding area, I believe are plagued by a spirit of poverty. I know it's all across this world, but this area right here nestled up in the corner of western Kentucky right here. We're just, you know, 11, 15 miles from Cave and Rock in Illinois. But this area right here is consumed by this plague that it's not really a plague, it's a spirit. It's a spirit of poverty that promotes people to want more, keep more, and not give up more. More things, more of this and more of that, even more tension, me, me. But God, I believe, has placed this church in this area to break that mentality. God has called us to get the blessing of giving in our spirit and change this city and change this area. I believe that with all my heart. Harvest House, if we can get this, this church will explode, I believe, in the greatest era of revival that this area has ever seen in its entire life. When we came to this city, nobody done block parties. Nobody give out backpacks. Nobody done anything like that for school or anything else like that. This church set a precedent in this area. And now ever since we've done that, there's other churches, there's other places that's doing this stuff. They didn't do it before we come to this city. But God sent us here with that burden in our spirit. And time has happened and time has caused us to forget that. But we have to somehow break this selfish ungrateful mentality that is in this area. And I'm not saying it's you or me or anybody like that. I'm just saying that is an oh, that is a spirit that's over-hovering in this area. So why is it more blessed to give than to receive? That's the question. Because after all, we do like to get uh, stuff. I like to get stuff. You like to get stuff. We all like to get stuff. But there are some power, there's a powerful principle when we understand the blessing of giving. And I, I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down a little bit with this today. I have several, several points that are not all mine. I'm not that smart, okay? I'm not that smart at all. So um, I'm thankful for Google because Brother Google saves me a lot of time in studying. 
I remember the old days before Google come along, and it took a lot longer in studying at times, but I am thankful that there are smarter people out there than me that's, that I am reaping the blessings of them giving. Because they write blogs and they, they do studies and they do stuff, Sister Michelle, that has blessed me because they were able to give. That's exactly what I'm even talking about today. They gave of themselves and now they're giving it to me. I, I don't want to just keep it with myself. I want to give it back to you. And then I want us to take as a church and give it to somebody else. Because there's a blessing of giving. Number one is this. It's the most probably the most well-known verse of all times in the Word of God. John 3.16, we all can quote it. For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the first blessing that we see in giving, the first reason that there's such a blessing in giving is giving is how God demonstrates His love for us. It is the very essence of who Jesus is. He demonstrated His love by giving His blood to cover our sins where we don't have to go to hell, Sister Janet. Love just simply gives. And if we truly want to be like Jesus, we'll learn to have that giving mentality. The second thing here is giving makes you happy. I, I like it when I'm able to give somebody something and I can see that they enjoy it. Um... I like it if I'm able to, to give. And there have been studies about the happiness level of people who gave money to charities or even volunteered their time. Across the board, these studies always seem to point that the happiest people in this world are those who's not always taken, but those who have something to give back. And I found this to be very interesting, especially since my wife is a, phlebot a phlebotomist. And I didn't even tell her this. I need to tell her. But uh, it was found in a 2002 survey that by National Opinion Research Center's general uh, social survey said that 43% of people who gave blood two or three times a year were very happy, opposed to the 29% who didn't. Anybody ever give blood? I give blood. I have to. My wife makes me now. Good luck. Brother Texas is going to try to outgive everybody. He has a goal of being the world's, uh, making the world's, um, uh, what's the name of the world record book, whatever it is. That's it. Guinness Book of World Records. Um, perhaps some of y'all, anybody know Delphon? Mr. Delphon lives not too far down here. He was a school teacher for years, 90-something years old. He actually holds the world record for the most blood ever given. He lives just right down the road. Brother Texas hopes the world lasts long enough. He's going to beat him in that someday. I'm not sure his giving mentality there has the right motive. <laughs> but think about that. Just a study of people who give blood two to three times a year are happier. It's just simple. Here's something else giving does. Giving shows that we trust God. Psalms 50 and 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. This verse shows us that God is sovereign. He is control. Sovereign means he's, he's in control. He's the, he has ultimate ownership of every resource in this world. 
And that's one reason I, I, uh, this new trend that our government is pushing about uh, that we're going to eat up all of our resources and all this, that's hogwash, okay? The Bible doesn't support that. We're not going to run out of resources because God's creating it. It'll run out when this earth burns up one of these days. But hoarding conveys a belief that there's only so much to go around. And if we didn't get it, then somebody else is going to get it. I hope you've not got five closets of, of a, a toilet paper at home. But somebody around here probably does. Because we've seen this happen last year in 2020, didn't we? And, and I never understood the concept of why everybody had to go get toilet paper. We just seen it last week when, when uh, uh, the pipeline went down, the gasoline, and people going and going crazy and buying all this gasoline and everything. Even people silly enough to put it in grocery bags and, and open containers. And it, it's a mentality that I have to get it. But when we understand that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, God, He will take care of all my needs. And when we, when we understand that, that, that we're not trying to hoard it up and that we're able just to, uh, to give, that God is going to give back to us. It, we understand that, uh, uh, that, that God, we can trust Him. When we're willing to give, when it's the coat off our back, and we may not have a coat. How many times, maybe you've never experienced this, somebody has asked for something and I didn't necessarily have it. I went ahead and gave it, whether it be money or anything. And the next thing you know, God gives back more than to me. You see, giving, it's the way God blesses other people. It's the way God blesses other people. When God was talking to Abram, Abraham about creating great nation through him, uh, the point was always about him being a blessing to other people, but not just Abraham being blessed. In Genesis chapter 12 and 2, we see, he, said, he tells Abraham, he said, I will bless, I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you that you can be a blessing. God doesn't always drop off his stuff out of the sky. He blesses us so that we're able to bless other people. He blesses us that we can bless somebody else. Now understand, we have to think about the future. I believe that you should save for the future. You should save for a rainy day. But I've heard more than one story, Sister uh, Chassie, where this person said, I had my emergency fund saved up and I was in a mission service and God said, give your emergency fund to the missionary. And then God blesses that uh, emergency fund twice as much as what they give the missionary. We're afraid that if we give it away, that we may not get it back. And what that really does, it shows that we, doesn't, we don't trust God as much. Because if God's telling you to give that person $5, give that person a, a sack of groceries, or, or give that person this, or give that person that, God is trying to bless them and then open a door up that you can be blessed. A lot of times we can't be blessed because we, uh, uh, we are not willing to open the door that God can bless us because we're hoarding something in. And again, this goes beyond, this goes beyond uh, monetary money, okay? Here's another thing. Giving helps us live longer. The, journey, the journal Health 
of Psychology published a study in 2012 that found that people who regularly volunteer live longer. But here's the kicker with it. They said this volunteer had to be for unselfish reasons. It had, it's not to be that you could get your picture taken. Now, you can do this if you want, but if you're going to go give money on a homeless person on the street, don't have somebody in the background taking a picture of you and then post it on Facebook and say, look what I've done. Because you've defeated the purpose. It's not for you to have an accolade, but it's, it, it's that you can bless somebody. And if, if you volunteer for any reason beyond the joy of giving, it doesn't have, they, the studies say, it doesn't have the same long-term effect of health benefits in your life. But it's something about when we're willing to give because we want to bless and be a blessing to somebody, God turns back around and begins to bless your life and make you feel better about yourself because giving joyful not only does it do something to your life, but it makes God happy. Amen. Corbin says, give me something. I think he's going to need mama. He's sleepy. I know what's wrong with him. But see, giving makes God happy. 2 Corinthians 8 and 11 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Now, I preach tithes. We should give tithes and we should get offering. But I also preach this too. If you have a problem with it and you don't want to give it, keep it. All right? Just keep it. But if you, if, if you want to give it cheerfully and happily, and let's go beyond that. If you want to give service to your church, do it happily and cheerfully. If you want to go like knock doors for the church, invite people to church, don't go do it with a frown. Stay home. All right? Because it, God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, and we give it because we want to be a blessing to somebody, God's standing up there looking at you and saying, that's my kid. He loves it. It's pretty self-explanatory. When, when we give a, as a joyful, uh, happy expression, it makes Jesus happy. Amen. And here's something else giving does. It, it, uh, uh, the blessing of, of giving. It, it, it increases our, uh, our ability to have connections with uh, society and, and people around us. It, it, it makes sense that when we give to others, we feel closer to them. Now, don't feel like because you give to somebody, you own that person. Now, I've seen that happen too. I, I've seen people in this church that because they gave X amount of money to the church, they felt like, well, I own the church. No, you don't. God owns the church. But it makes sense that when we give to others, we just feel closer to them. What we might not realize is that giving to others makes us feel a connection to Him. In her book, The How of Happiness, I'm going to botch her last name, Sonia Leibert, I ain't going to try it. L-Y-U-B-O-R-M-I-R-S-K-Y. Yeah, I failed that class. She said, being kind and generous leads you to perceive others more positively and more charitable and this fosters a heightened sense of inter, interdependence and cooperation in your social community. Now, what this is in a nutshell 
is I have so many people that said, I don't feel like I'm a part of the church. I'm going to tell you why people don't feel like they're part of the church. They don't give to the church. And again, I'm not talking just about money, okay? I'm talking about time. I'm talking about effort. I'm talking about stuff like that. Because when you give to the church of yourself, you feel like you're connected to the church. When you give, whether, whether it's money, time, self, when you give. And I, I'm even talking about the point when you look down and you see a piece of paper and you're like, you give your service to reach down and pick up a piece of paper, stick it in your pocket, take it to the trash. You, take, you feel like I belong there because that's, that's my church and you're giving service to it. Does that make sense? Amen. Giving makes you feel like you're part of what you're giving to. And if we can give to our community. I, we, I know we don't have a homeless shelter here in town. I don't know how many homeless folks we may even have here. I know we've had them at time, times and often like that. But you know what? It wouldn't hurt us to, to be willing to go to Paducah or some of these places and, 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 and not take a picture. Look what I've done today. But just go and don't let nobody know. But God will know it. It'll make you feel connected to that person who doesn't have anything. It'll make us feel a burden for that person. The blessing of giving to something like that is you actually feel connected to that. And you feel like now that I have, I have a burden where I can pray for them. And I, I, I can love them in a different way. Because, see, giving, it is, it, it is an act of obedience. And, and while God doesn't want us to give out of, out of impulse, uh, according to the second uh, Corinthians 9 and 7, he says to every person who has purposed in his heart. The fact is that Jesus encourages us to give to who asked of us. we got to be willing to say, you know, if somebody asks, if, if we have it, let's try our best to give it to them. Because, now I know we can be taken advantage. Don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong with that. But that is a pretty sobering statement. Give to those who ask of us. Because this is what happened. Giving, once we get that going in, in our area, and this is why I said there's a revival that's waiting on us to catch this ideal of the blessing of giving. Because once we get it, it becomes a contagious thing that begins to happen in this church, not only in this church, but in this area. Because there's a saying that says to pay it forward. Anybody ever heard of that? Pay it forward. This ideal, it isn't a myth. It is a fact. And when people experience... The generous uh, kindness of somebody else, they're more uh, likely to treat others with that same generosity. In December of 2020, a random act of kindness turned into over 900 people in a drive through at Minnesota paying it forward. Over 900 people paid for the person behind them in Dairy Queen in Minnesota. Because one person decided, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. 900 people in a row paid for the person behind them that amounted in about $10,000 worth of money that went through Dairy Queen that somebody else paid for somebody else's lunch. Why did that happen? It became something contagious. Well, that person paid for mine. Well, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. I, I've thought about, I've heard that story before, but I'm thinking about who's that last person that broke that? <laughs> But it's contagious. And, and when all of a sudden somebody sees this person doing a kind act for something, and, and, and it's just a blessing begins to uh, accumulate, and all of a sudden when we get that going, and I've seen it in this church, when somebody all of a sudden starts to give 
worship and praise to God because that's a part of giving. Somebody starts giving praise and worship to God. The next thing you know, somebody else starts giving praise and worship. Somebody else starts. I've seen it happen in, in offering services where, where a special offering is taken up and somebody gives. The next thing, God smokes this person's heart and they give and they give and they give. I've seen people decide, hey, I'll volunteer and do that. And then this person volunteers. It begins to, to cause this domino effect. It just begins to build because this, and here's the thing, when you're doing that, what giving does, it gives you, a, it gives our life a sense of, of meaning that I matter because there's a lot of disconnect between who we think we are and who we say we are, right? And many people say that they're, they're not selfish and I like to think that I'm not selfish, but still we make decisions based on what is ultimately best for us and I've been there I like to think I'm not selfish but it's been times brother David I had this happen to me not too long ago I I'd had some money that I'd kind of been saving for something and and the Lord said give it to them but I was gonna and I realized okay I'm more selfish than I think I am but, but when we break that and we, we do that, it puts something in us. Because once we do, we find that it begins to define uh, in our minds maybe what God can do in our lives. Because there's, a, there's an epidemic that's going on in our world. It's called depression. Right? And... and one contributing aspect to the cycle of, uh, of depression is feeling isolated. And studies have shown that volunteering and giving to others helps combat this self-hatred in our life that causes depression. And when we're willing to start giving, and again, so I'm leaving that realm of money, but I'm going into giving and helping somebody else, it begins to take the focus off of what depression does so many times that makes us think about where we are and what we're doing and gets it on somebody else and when we see that what we're doing helps somebody else we realize well maybe there is something good in my life see because giving puts us in this place of when we start giving we actually put ourselves in a place that God owes us Amen. and this is a thing we miss sometimes we don't realize the scripture actually says, look at this. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us, in Matthew 10, 42, And whosoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The fact that God is keeping tabs down to the glass of water that we give somebody should be pretty motivating in our life. When I, if, if, you know what? When, when somebody just comes up and sets water up here for, for the preacher, God noticed the fact that you brought water. And we have, I've had some, some of you folks have brought in bottled waters at time that we could have in the church. God sees that. And all of a sudden, God says, whoop, I owe them now. Amen. And God sees you just do that random act of kindness. He said, okay, I, I owe them now. See, listen to this. The writer of Proverbs says it in Proverbs 19 and 17. He says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. 
He said, if you're being kind to the poor person and you're being generous to that poor person, now he's like, okay, now I owe you. See, God is in our debt when we're willing to have this mentality of giving. God, all of a sudden, you become in, he becomes in debt to you. Because, why? Because you're doing the service of God. And, and, and honestly, the greatest thing that any person and church can do, folks, is this. The greatest thing that we can do is when we're willing to be a servant to the kingdom of God. What did he say in one of the scriptures? I should have wrote it down. I didn't. He's asking, who was the greatest among you? And, he, and you know what he ended up saying? The one who serves. What's the servant doing? He's giving. See, there's a blessing in giving because what giving does, it increases our confidence. One, one important element to a, a, a poor self-image is the constant focus of, of being on ourselves, the state of, of who we are, our, our self, and our self-concern in our, in our self. It breeds a false self-understanding about ourselves. And what giving does, it helps us to move our focus away from us onto someone else. And, and it's... You know what? It's great to have a, a sense of, of self-awareness. We do need that in our life. But that inner voice that we deal with can be a constant force, if we're not careful, of criticism and negativism on our life. And being generous, it changes where we're placing the spotlight. And it helps us give our brain a, a, a positive argument in our life that says, you know what? You're not that bad because you're actually helping somebody. And giving, it just, it builds trust. And I'll be honest with you. This is something that, as a pastor, that sometimes it's hard to do because you give so much and people take it and run with it and never give back. If anything has about ever caused me to quit pastoring is when I have poured myself out and nobody gives back. If anything has ever had me want to tuck tail and run and never embrace a pulpit again it would be that one when you pour yourself out that's why when Jesus was in the crowd and the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus and was healed Jesus said who touched me twofold reasons he wanted to see where his virtue was gone but he also wanted to see if there was any return on that virtue one reason he wanted to see who touched him, he wanted to see if uh, uh, they was receiving it in such a way that it was going to change their life and they could change somebody else's life. And when you give gifts to others, you're trusting that they will use that gift responsible, right? And no doubt, we've all heard it. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't give a gift to that person. They'll just waste it on whatever, right? I've been there. I've been there many times. But if we'll keep giving, we're going to build up a lot of testimonies that's, I promise you, that's going to outweigh. If we'll keep giving, we're going to build up a testimony that's going to outweigh that person who wastes it. Because by and large, when you give to somebody, most people are going to respond in such a way that it's going to make a difference and impact their life. And that's going to come back to you it's going to help build you up and make you realize, man, I feel better. Because here's the thing. Being generous, being given, 
people who are generous and giving people are generally, they're optimistic people, right? And, and when we give, it, it, it makes us listen differently. Because people who's giving and generous, they, they tend to listen to people's stories with, 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 uh, with a question of, is there any way I could help? I know nowadays we're afraid to say, how you doing? Right? Because they're going to tell us how they're doing. <laughs> right? They're going to unload on us. But when we're a giving person, we'll, we'll be able to realize this person just needs, because sometimes, honestly, somebody just needs us to give them an ear. And, and, and the more we give, the more we hear a need or request behind somebody's story. And we, we, the more we give, the more we'll be able to recognize that when somebody's just unloading and we can, we can hear beyond the pain and the hurt and we can maybe even reach into and realize what the real need is in that person's life and we can touch the real need of that person when we become that person who, who, who gives because giving makes us look at that, that our resources in our life different. Because the more people give, the more they begin to see all the resources, all the potential opportunities that we have. And, and when we begin to give, it begins to uh, press us to, the, to be an, a more uh, unselfish. And, 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 and um, you know, I know we're, people think so much in terms of money, but as we realize, we realize there's, there's a lot of things that we can give, like our time, our attention, our praise, and, and, and just the... Just the benefit of doubt, when we start to give, it changes our total mentality of who we are. Again, I, I, you may have thought when I started, I was going to just talking about money today, but I'm not. I'm talking about the whole aspect of who we are in our lives. Because giving generates something in our life that not a lot of people in this nation has. It's called contentment. The scripture says that the eyes of man are never satisfied, Proverbs 27 and 20. And this need to accumulate more and more is, it's completely real, right? Now, be honest with me. How many has not felt the pressure of, because I don't got this, I'm less than? We all felt that, ain't we? And, and people, we get bitten by this, God, I wish he would send down something and, and, and strike us all with the, the, the generosity bug so we could, we could see our own belongings different or who we are different because seeing and responding to the needs of others, it helps us create a sense of peace in our own desire for what we have. A 2011 report from the National Marriage Protection found that regular acts of generosity on behalf of the spouse creates a harmony that serves the relationship in long term because giving helps us create lasting relationships. I'm talking about whether it be your spouse or your kids or, or just anybody. Little acts of kindness like going and getting somebody's coffee or just saying, giving somebody a back rub or just complimenting somebody, just talking about how nice they look. It just creates these long-term relationships that last a long time because we're just giving of ourselves to 
this world. Because giving, by and large, makes us likable. Right? Let's be honest. When you're a genuine, generally generous person, people find you trustworthy. They find you kind. As long as you seem like you're doing it genuine and, and generous, and it doesn't feel like it's forced or they're just giving to manipulate you, to get, them, get you to do what they want you to do. But when we find people that just gives, because that's just who they are, we know them people, right? We know everybody likes that person. And I'm about to be done with this today. Giving will cause us to be blessed more than you can contain. Luke 6 and 38 says, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. When we give, it is given right back, and it just doesn't stop at money, okay? It's attention. It's uh, compliments. You can just go on all this stuff I've been talking about today. Behind me, my title today, The Blessing of Giving, behind that is the picture of the Sea of Galilee. In Israel, there are two major bodies of water. One is the Sea of Galilee, which is this picture behind me. It is a very beautiful lake, 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. It's filled with all kinds of fish. It's surrounded by all kinds of beautiful foliage, as you can see. It's beautiful around it. It is Israel's largest freshwater lake, and it is absolutely beautiful from my understanding of pictures that I've seen as I was looking at this. The other body of water is this one. It is the Dead Sea. It's 50 miles long and 11 miles wide. Its shoreline is 1,300 feet below sea level. It is said that 7 million tons of water evaporate from the Dead Sea every day. And the saline or the salt content of the water of the Dead Sea is 10 times saltier than that of the oceans of the world. It's said that the Dead Sea lives up to its name. There is no seaweed. There is no plants. There is no fish. Any living thing of any kind live in or around or near the waters. Fish that accidentally swim into the waters from one of the several freshwater streams that go into the sea, they said they are quickly killed by the toxic levels of salt. Both the Sea and the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea are fed by the same river and source. And that is the Jordan River. You see it on this one? That's the Jordan River. And you see that one coming into it there? That's the Jordan River. And there is only really one difference between these two bodies of water. Really, only one thing that causes the Sea of Galilee to be beautiful and alive while the Dead Sea is bearing and lifeless. The difference is said to be that the Sea of Galilee takes water from the Jordan River and then it gives water back to the river. In other words, it has, it has water coming in and it lets the water go out. The water just simply passes through the Sea of Galilee. And as a result, the Sea of Galilee is full of all this life and beauty. They said that's what keeps it refreshed 
because it keeps giving and everything around it keeps giving back. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, only takes water, but it gives nothing back. And as a result, they said that is why it becomes the Dead Sea, because it's only intakes and never gives back. The two bodies of water bear witness today to the truth of our human life, of what I'm trying to talk about today. It is the receiving and then giving back that we find the blessing of giving. In other words, this is what it says. An article that I found about it. It said the Sea of Galilee is a conduit, but the Dead Sea is a container. And we have so many people in this world today, they're just satisfied with being a container to receive what somebody else gives them, but they don't want to be a conduit to where they can share what they give to this world. The Sea of Galilee is full of life. The Dead Sea is full of death. And unfortunately, the same is true in our spiritual life and for our church today. If you and I have spiritual input but no spiritual output, we will become stagnant. We'll become lifeless. We'll become bitter. We'll become unkind. We'll become ungrateful. But if we, like the Sea of Galilee, begin to receive and give back, we become vibrant. We become healthy. We become life-giving. And if we can become that in this city, we can have the greatest revival that we've ever seen. It is the wisdom and the reality of our text today. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In closing today with this, John 12 and 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. When that seed falls to the ground and dies, something from the inside of that seed springs forth. But so many of us, we're like that seed and we leave it sitting on a shelf. And we're not willing to give that into the ground. We want to contain everything we got in a hard shell and not let nobody have it. But if we're willing to take and be buried, let God bury us into this world that we can get back. But if that one corn of wheat, if it can fall on the ground, if that, that corn... Whatever it is, that seed will go on the ground. When, we, the, when, we, when it begins to serve this world, that outer shell begins to break out. And on the inside, something begins to spring forth. And what does it do? It begins to produce fruit and more seed abundantly. It's multiplied. And that seed, it gives itself, and a lot more is brought forth. I want to tell us today, there's so much inside of every one of us. But we must give. So it can be given back to us. John 15 and 13. My last scripture today. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave his all for you and I. Surely it's the least that you and I could do is to give. And understand and learn the blessings of giving. I want to see this church grow. And I think, I think you do too. But I'm not just content to seeing the church grow, Brother David. I want to get a revelation of the blessing of giving. Because if we can get this, this church will explode. This city will explode. You may not have heard what Brother Nears said to me as I stood there Thursday night. You can go back and listen to the podcast. If you turn it way up, you may be able to hear him. He had the microphone down. But he told me, yes, I see you going from city 
the city, planting new churches. You guys know that I've always said that, that God wanted us to have churches all over the place. But it's only going to happen when we get this mentality and understand there's a blessing in giving. And again, it's not just money today. Of course, it takes money to operate. Thankful through this pandemic, <laughs> my mind's been blowed. God has blessed this church more than I've ever seen. And I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for it. But God wants to bless today. And he wants to give us a revelation of the blessing of giving. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, God. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for everyone that's come today. And I just pray that you would help us, Lord, in your precious name, God. We give you praise and glory, God, for what you've done and what you're going to do, Lord. We just ask that you would touch everybody here today, God. Give us a revelation. Give us a revelation, Lord Jesus, of the blessing of giving, Lord. We love you and we thank you and we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. We'll take a short, convenient break here. and They probably still have some coffee and refreshments downstairs, but we're going to also have a time of... of um, a prayer up here before a worship service and so um thank you so much for being in the house of god today